0: Okay, out front, journals, if you want them. Ears to hear, listening to the stories of Jesus. I hear several of you ripping off the plastic wrapping. So here's how we use these. This is a tool, it's, it's, journaling is not an idol, it's a tool that helps us listen. So ears to hear, we wanna listen. So if I wanna listen to a sermon, and sometimes I get distracted, my thoughts go other ways, then I have a journal. In that journal, I wanna write down who the speaker is, what the date is, and then i want to write down the main ideas. So these actually have all the different messages laid out. So if yours is printed in the right way, you can flip open uh, to the very beginning and it would have a spot for you to actually write out the text ahead of time. And then on page 10, it actually says sermon notes. So on sermon notes, you should be able to write the main idea. If I do my job well, you will know the main idea of the text we're gonna walk through the day. There will be some points in this text. There may not be different points in every text, It may just have one point, one main idea, but you can write that down. And then over here you can kind of write down, okay, what's the Lord saying to me through this? What am I perceiving that the Lord is impressing upon my heart? Is the Holy Spirit convicting me of something? You write those things down too. So it helps me to listen when I take notes. It also helps me to study my Bible. And so we do have an opportunity for you to actually write the text ahead of time with some questions that you can consider as you're writing, when you're writing ahead of time, as when you're reading, as when you're interpreting, as when you're listening to a sermon. We're looking for words that are commands, we're looking for words that are repeated. If it's repeated multiple times, and we're gonna see ears to hear repeated multiple times throughout this whole sermon series, you're gonna hear it repeated today, you're gonna hear understanding repeated today, those are the things you wanna take note of. However you wanna do it, you can circle it, you can underline it, you can highlight it, you can star it, whatever your note taking skill is, it says this must be an important word because it was said four times in two sentences, note that. Same thing with taking notes in class. If your professor says the same thing four times in class, especially in one class, that probably means it's important, highlight, star, you know, you get all this. All right, so pick up your journals. We are going through parables. So before I start reading the text, I wanna talk to you about what is a parable. We've gotta define our terms, right? So, a parable, what is it? A parable comes from two Greek words combined together, para and balo, meaning to throw or cast alongside. So you're throwing something or you're casting something alongside. So Jesus is teaching, and as Jesus is teaching, there's a main point. So we do this too. There's a main point we wanna get across. So as we're getting that point across, we're gonna tell you a story to help get that point across. We all love stories, right? That's why Disney has made such a fortune. That's why Star Wars begins with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. We're hooked right there, right? Tell me what happened. I wanna hear the story. And so the parables are stories that are being tossed alongside of some teaching that needs to be learned. So what we're gonna do this whole year is explore various stories that are being told, particularly by Jesus, and then we're gonna look for what is it that he's trying to teach in that particular story that he's telling. It's a story or a comparison that's using the familiar to explain the unfamiliar. So particularly as we look at the book of Matthew, he's going to talk about the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven is like, and he's going to give a list in chapter 13 that we'll get to in the next couple of sermons about the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like that. It's like this. Those are things he's wanting to teach to put together. Now we don't see the kingdom of heaven or know what the kingdom of heaven is like, and so we're being taught a new concept. So in that new concept, he's gonna take something familiar, something that we can see, something that we can touch, something that we understand, and he's gonna take that story and cast it alongside the principle that he's wanting us to understand or comprehend. So some have defined a parable as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's revealing a secret, a mystery, as the text says, of revelation to us about God's kingdom and in doing so he's making it as simple as you possibly can by telling us a story about something that we understand and saying it's like this. It's a comparison, it's a simile, it's an illustration. It's a story with a known meaning to explain something that we don't know. The familiar to explain the unfamiliar. So now here's where it gets complicated. Parables can sometimes have one meaning. Parables can sometimes have more than one meaning. But throughout the history of the church, here's kinda how it's, it's drifted. So on one side, early in church history, they would take these parables and they would look for some meaning behind every single thing in the parable. And then they would assign a meaning behind every single portion of the parable. Well, it, it got kinda chaotic. It, it got a little bit goofy. And they realized, this makes absolutely no sense. So then your writers who are writing books that need to get published and articles that need to be read swung over and said, no, 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 there's one meaning. Every parable has only one meaning. And that works really well for a preacher because that becomes his main idea, right? That's really easy for a guy like me to get up here and say, here's your one meaning of that text. The problem that we have in that is that Jesus actually interprets some of the parables in the text and he has more than one meaning in some of the parables. So if Jesus has more than one meaning, guess what? It has more than one meaning. Jesus said it, he wins, it's over, trump card's played, it's done. So it doesn't always fit to say it only has one meaning. Now some may have one meaning, but what's the harder work and the more accurate work is to be somewhere in the middle and to say, you know that parable might be teaching more than one concept, but we have to do the diligent work of looking at it in context, looking at what's being accomplished by the author in the book, and then trying to determine am I reaching too far into allegorizing every detail of that text? Or am I reaching too thin and only trying to pick out one point of this text? This is where scripture, interpreting scripture is important. This is where allowing the things that are clear to interpret the things that are less clear is important. This is where your good hermeneutic principles, your good interpretation of scripture principles come into play so that we can accurately and properly interpret the parables. That's what we're gonna do, not today. We're setting the stage. But as we go through this year, that's what we're gonna try to do. Are you with me? All right, this isn't, um, this isn't your church where you got in trouble if you said a word or raised your hand or did anything. You can respond. This is chapel. We have fun in here. Are you with me? I like that, that's better. All right, let me give you an example. Allegorizing, this is what happened when they allegorized. This is origin, by the way, if you're wondering who this came from. You know the parable of Good Samaritan? Nobody knows the parable of Good Samaritan. Come on now. You know the parable of Good Samaritan? All right. You want to know what it was about? There was a man who was going down. That man was Adam. Jerusalem is paradise and Jericho is the world and the robbers are hostile powers. The priest is the law, the Levite is the prophets and the Samaritan, he's Christ. I'm quoting by the way. The wounds are disobedience and the beast is the Lord's body, the inn, which accepts all who wish to enter is the church. The manager of the inn is the head of the church, pastor, I guess, to whom its care has been entrusted. And the fact that the Samaritan promises he will return represents the Savior's second coming. You all knew that, right? So illustration of perhaps we've gone too far. Okay? (laughs) There's some stuff in there you go, huh. I looked at it like that before. Maybe that's legit. There's some stuff in there. You go. Nah, 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 nah. Come on now. You, you've been eating bad mushrooms or something, Origin. Something's going on here. So these stories should be easy to listen to, and yet they weren't. And we're going to talk about that today. Let me give you the main idea. I'm going to give you the outline. Then we're going to read their text. We'll start rolling through it. The main idea: Jesus speaks in parables to fulfill prophecy and because many reject his message. Now, I'm gonna try my best to show you that right out of the text today. Why is it that Jesus speaks in parables? It's to fulfill prophecy. It's prophesied. That's what we're gonna see. Psalm 78, verse two, we're gonna see that in our text today and because many reject his message. Now, on this particular point, you have some that may lean and read in some theological persuasions that say he's hiding all the truth from them. You have others that would say, well, no, 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 they're just closing their ears or closing their eyes because they're rejecting the message. I I think that side's a little more accurate to say that the message has been rejected. I'll seek to prove that to you today, but there are two different ways this is understood. There's three points that we're gonna walk through today. We won't normally have three points all the way through the semester, but today you have three. You can write them down now, you can write them down as we go through them. Understanding is a blessing. We'll see that in verses 10 through 12 and 16 through 17. Rejection reveals a dull heart. We'll see that in verses 13 through 16. And then parables fulfill prophecy and reveal mysteries. We're gonna see that in verses 34 through 35. All right, you all are writing. I usually have you stand. You're all settled. I'm just gonna leave you sitting. You don't have to stand. You all got your journals out. I like looking at those journals out. So all right, we're gonna let you sit. But I'm gonna read the text to us. Here's what the text says. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 10. If you're not there, you flip there. I'll give you just a second. I should have announced the text twice already, but I didn't. I was too excited about the journals and all that. Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. You ready? Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak in parables? So something's different here. He's changed. They're asking the question. So this is gonna lay a foundation for us of what's going on here with all of these parables we're gonna look at. And he answered them and he said, it has been given to you to know the secrets, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. Note the word given twice already, we're gonna see it again. For to one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Verse 13, this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive, and the people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and they did not see it. They longed to hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. Skipping over to verses 34 and 35. And all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. All right, we look at our first point. Our first point is that understanding is a blessing. We see that as we walk through this text. We see it very clearly and obviously stated in verse 16 where he says, but blessed... Are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. If we understand what the gospel message is, it's a blessing to us. Verse 10, they're asking the question, why do you speak to them in parables? Verse 11, he says to them, To you it's been given, note the word given. You see it there in verse 11, not once but twice. You see it in verse 12 and then it says things would be taken away from others. It's not given to them. And so here's one point I wanna make sure you get clearly of application. Do you understand the gospel message? Raise your hand, I understand the gospel. How did that happen, because you're so smart? No. How did that happen, because you're so righteous? No. How did that happen? We understand the gospel message because the Holy Spirit has revealed that message to us. The Holy Spirit has opened my eyes so that I could see that I was a sinner and that he was the king, has opened my ears so that I could listen to the message that's taking place, has opened my heart so that I can understand this gospel great exchange that gives me the grace so that I can be forgiven and reconciled to my creator. So what does understanding this is given to me mean? it means there should be absolutely zero pride in my life about being a Christian. I was a beggar, rebel, lost, could not be found, and all of a sudden God in his grace and mercy began to draw me to salvation through the revelation of his word, through the spirit convicting me of my sin, and in my case, it was the third row, the fourth seat over. It was actually an illustration that the preacher used in a weekend revival service. He began to tell how he was a preacher's kid, couldn't figure out exactly what the Lord wanted to do with his life and he realized he never was really saved. It's at that moment right there that the Holy Spirit hit me over the head with a two by four and said, that's you. You haven't been saved. The conviction of the Holy Spirit over my sin, I began to weep. I began to cry out to God right there, Lord, save me, I wanna live my life for you. I don't wanna live with me on the throne of my heart. I don't wanna go to hell. I wanna live for you, I wanna serve you. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I remember crying the entire message. Only thing I remember that he preached was that illustration and then the whole time I was like, will you tell this guy to hurry up and be quiet so I can go down front? Get out of the way, went down front. What did I do that deserved salvation? Nothing. What did you do that deserved salvation? Nothing. So we of all people should be the least prideful and the most humble as we encounter other people, as we look out at a world that's so chaotic, we should look out not with prideful arrogance, not I'm gonna tell you everything, We should look out with a broken heart and say, oh, Lord, will you reveal it to them like you revealed it to me? Will you draw them to salvation? Will you allow them to see the truth of the gospel? They're looking for gods in all the wrong places. None of that will satisfy. Lord, open their eyes. Humility. We should have that. We begin to walk through this text and we look at it and it says, for the one who has more, in verse 12, will be given. God's been gracious to us. We're here. I mean, the faculty members you have that are able to walk you through Bible and the Gospel, Old Testament, New Testament, Theology 1, Theology 2, are you kidding me? The access to information that we have to be able to explain the scripture, the commentaries, the different translations, the tools, to have a faculty member that will teach you the original languages of what it says in the Hebrew and the Greek. You have all of these things at your access. Be good stewards of what the Lord has given you. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Verse 13 This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Notice how many times understand is mentioned in this text. Verse 13. Nor do they understand. Verse 14. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You see it again. One group understands, one group doesn't. It's by the power of the Spirit that they're able to do this. So here's what's going on in Matthew. I'm gonna walk you through. Matthew 4:12. Jesus begins his ministry. He's baptized by John the Baptist, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We sang about the Lamb of God, we sang the Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery, that's Matt Papa, by the way, who is our artist in residence, he'll be here later this year to sing that potentially for us. Jesus begins his ministry. What does he say at the beginning of his ministry? Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. We all know it. We all walk through that. It's straightforward teaching. Blessed, blessed, blessed. We, we know the Beatitudes. Matthew 6, he talks to us about the Lord's Prayer. When you pray, pray in this way. He talks to about fasting, laying up your treasures in heaven. Do not be anxious. Don't judge others. Ask and it will be given. The golden rule, a tree will bear fruit. Matthew seven twenty four, build your house on the rock. He who hears the commands and does them builds his house on the rock. He who hears and does not builds his house on the sand. Verse 28, Jesus finished these sayings. He taught straightforward. Matthew 8, he cleanses a leper. He talks about the faith of a centurion. He heals many. He calms the storm. The Gadarean demoniac, he takes and casts out the demons. Matthew 9, he heals a paralytic. And the scribes say he was blaspheming. How can you say you forgive sins? Is it easier to say I forgive sins, or rise and take up your bed and walk? And He heals a paralytic. He heals a man unable to speak. He sends out the twelve apostles. If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet. Persecution will come to them. In Matthew 11:20, says, "Woe to the unrepentant cities!" You have seen the truth, you have heard the truth, and yet you have denied the truth. Eleven twenty-five, he says, hidden these things, God, we think you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, yet the Pharisees criticized him. Your disciples do, what's well, not lawful on the Sabbath. He heals a man with a withered hand. The Pharisees then conspire against him in twelve fourteen. And then we see in twelve twenty two through 32, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. They actually accuse Jesus when he's healing people of being from Beelzebub because the only way you could cast out demons of the devil is to be part of the devil's kingdom. And that's what we call the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So then we move from that to chapter 13. Jesus has taught plainly. They have denied Jesus, they have closed their ears, they have closed their eyes, they have dulled their hearts, they have rejected everything, and the disciples come and they say, okay, why parables? And here Jesus answers them in verse 13, because they don't see, and then in verse 14, he's going to move us to our second point, which is rejection reveals a dull heart. Why is it that he's speaking in parables? Why is it that this is going on? It's because they don't want to see it, and they don't want to hear it. And neither do they understand it. Look at what it says in verse 14. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. Their eyes, they've closed, lest they should see with their ears and hear with their eyes and understand with their hearts. And then they would turn. This is what's happening in this text. Notice what's being repeated here. The ears and the listening, the eyes and the seeing, the hearts and them growing dull. We see in Isaiah, the text of Isaiah in chapter six, verse eight is what I have starting up here for you on the screen. This is Isaiah saying, okay, Lord, what's going on? You heard about this from Dr. Kimball as well. Here am I, send me. So what's your commission? Uh, Potentially, what's our commission? is that we go forward. Isaiah says, I'll go, Lord, send me. And the response then is, go and say to the people, keep on hearing but don't understand. Keep on seeing but do not perceive. The heart of this people is dull. Their ears are heavy. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. The text continues here. Great question. How long, O oh Lord? This is not a prosperity message. This is not positive. We're not going to build a great church with this message. How long, O oh Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Isaiah was told to give a message that nobody wanted to listen to and that nobody was gonna hear. Jesus came and gave a message. And to the vast majority of the crowds, they didn't listen. They rejected the message. They may have enjoyed the food or they may have enjoyed seeing a miracle, but they were rejecting the message of the gospel. And this is why we've titled this, Ears to Hear. How often is it that we hear through our mechanism the word of the Lord, but we don't really listen to it, we don't really respond to it, we just completely dismiss it and let it go? All right, how many of you have problems with listening to commands that are given? All right, yep, there's some of you that are honest. Okay, so I'm a parent and and I have kids and they're not here today, um, which is great because that means I can talk about them. Uh, So last night, just last night, Preparing for this. I go into the room, and in the room, I see Samuel's shin um, guards and cleats and socks from soccer, which was Saturday morning, and this is Sunday night, and they're still laying all over the living room. So I say to him, as he's getting off uh, Legends of Zelda, he's shutting down his video game, which means, you know, if he's playing a video game while I'm talking to him, he's not listening to me at all. I understand that, you all, you all get that too. And so he, he's there, and I'm, Samuel, it's time to go to bed, cut your video game off as you're going to bed, pick up all your stuff, get the room clean, head up to bed. Three minutes later, I come walking back through. And, and he's done part of what I said. There are two bottles that have disappeared because the caps to those two bottles were still left on the table right where the bottles disappeared. But none of the soccer stuff is up yet. So I call him, Samuel, come back down. You're going to pick up all this stuff. You're going to take it. And you're going to clean it up. And so I have to watch him while he picks it up and goes, cleans up. Now that Samuel's a great kid, he, he's smarter than I'll ever be, he's more talented, I, he doesn't listen all the time. So how many of you, that's you. As a kid, mom and dad told me things multiple times because I didn't listen. Some of you still aren't getting this. Okay, let's play a little game then. How many of you heard the words, don't touch it, it's hot? Referring to a stove, a pot, a curling iron, you name it, and you still touched it anyway? That's me, a wood-burning stove in the living room twice with the hand flat on it, oh yeah. I don't even know if I have fingerprints left anymore from that, but that's okay. Is there anybody perhaps in the room who has eaten sushi from a gas station that also sells fish bait? Caston, where are you? Oh, there's more than just Caston, but yeah, okay. Expiration dates don't matter, do they? Somebody said I agree with that. You can email me when it backfires on you. All right. My aunt emailed this one into me. Don't drink the Clorox. Yeah, I did, twice as a little boy. I must have tasted good. I don't know why. I had to have my stomach pumped both times, so whatever. Maybe I like the attention. I don't know. That tells you how dumb I am, right? Thank you. All right. Don't stick your finger in the light socket. Who did it? Don't mess with the bees' nest. Hornets, yellow jackets, you name it. Okay, how many of you got stung messing with the bees' nest? Yes, uh uh-huh, I'm right there with you, all right. If you eat all of that, you're gonna be sick. (laughs) Two hands, amen. Just as I am, come on, right here, I'm just kidding. Don't play with the fireworks. Don't touch the electric fence, or do other things with the electric fence, but. Okay. Man, y'all don't listen at all. I don't know what's up with you. Don't date your freshman year. Amen! We got a testimony rising up in here. I don't want to know who you dated. Don't (laughs) mention any names. Your freshman year, you work on becoming the right person, not finding the right person. Now, juniors and seniors, I'm just... (laughs) Becoming the right person, not finding the right person, because you got some growing to do, I'm just saying. Juniors and seniors, if you still haven't asked somebody out, I've called people out before in chapel, I'm not above it again, so come on now. (laughs) You have an excuse right now to go ask somebody out because I told you to. So, hey, he told me to ask somebody out. You were the person that I thought of the most. You're so godly and loving. Come on, step up, backbone, come on. It's an important application for parents. I'm just kidding. All right, buy a Bitcoin. It's over 50,000 today. I don't know who, yeah, whatever. Don't stick your tongue on something freezing outside. Who did it? All right, wear your helmet. Make sure you choose good friends. It's important and it's true. All right, I can keep going. Get enough sleep at night, you don't, then you start, yeah, then you get sick. <laughs> Watch what you eat, freshman 15, it keeps going. And then the most obvious one for all of us right now. We have closed ears to whatever political opinion we disagree with or whatever view of COVID we disagree with. So don't get mad, but just recognize. If you think it's not real or you don't want the vaccine, you don't wanna hear all the other stuff. Ridiculous. If you think it's a big deal and it really, really matters, you can't believe everybody's not already vaccinated. And so we have closed ears to something that is controversial. But the thing that's much more important than your opinion about COVID or your opinion about political matters or whether you listen to mom and dad and all of this is have you heard the gospel? Or do you read the Bible with closed ears and you're not willing to listen to it? You know, know, some people say that Jesus is hiding the truth. I wanna say to you, and I wanna point out here, that if Jesus wanted to hide the truth from them, he didn't have to talk to them at all. He did not have to speak with the crowds. And yet, even though they rejected, and even though I rejected for years, and even though many of you rejected for years, in the grace of the gospel, Jesus continues to allow opportunity after opportunity for us to hear the gospel message and to be drawn to salvation. Even after all of the crowds rejected him, what did he do? He still taught, he just taught them in parables. He continued to perform miracles. He continued to allow the gospel to be preached by his disciples after he was gone. God's grace is so great that our response to that should be an overwhelming, overflowing love for the grace and mercy of the gospel and what we have received. We should be humble and we should be the most loving people on the planet and when other people do really stupid stuff, we should say, yeah, but by the grace of God, I'd be doing the really stupid stuff too and so we have more grace, more mercy, We shouldn't be the mean people. We are the people with the good news. We are the people when they come and they're completely lost and they have no hope, we can say, wait a second, time out. We've got your hope. Here's the good news of the gospel. If you have rejected the gospel. Wait a second, you're talking to Cedarville students. Yeah, there's always a couple. I'm here because mom and dad made me. I'm an atheist, I don't believe this stuff. I'm just here. I don't wanna deal with mom and dad. If you have rejected the gospel and closed your ears and closed your eyes and dulled your heart, you are responsible for that rejection of the gospel. If you are here and you have received the grace and mercy of the gospel, you should praise God for the Holy Spirit who has drawn you to salvation and revealed the truth of the gospel to you. There's a third point quickly here. We're gonna say the third point is that parables fulfill messianic prophecy in particular, and reveal mysteries in verses 34 and 35. Look at what it says here. It says, all things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. And indeed, he said nothing to them without parables. That doesn't mean that he never spoke a word that wasn't a parable. It just means that was his normal teaching style. That's what you would expect from him. In verse 35, it says, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. And what he's quoting here is Psalm 78, verse two. Now, why is Matthew pulling verse chapter 78, verse two in? That chapter 78 is a lengthy psalm by Asaph the seer. He recounts the history of Israel for the next generation And he stresses Israel's unbelief, which led to God's discipline. And so he is laying out for them everything that God's done in the past, all of the disbelief and rejection. And he's saying, with all of this data and information, you should believe. And that's in Psalm chapter 78. So then Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy, which says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. There's new information coming, at least to them. It's been hidden since the foundation of the world. These are new mysteries that have been taking place. So every time we're looking at a parable, we're gonna have our eyes open, we're gonna have our ears open, and we're gonna say, what is it that the author is trying to communicate that may be new information to them that may have tried to correct their understanding at this point in time? What is it that Jesus is throwing alongside? So what's the principle he's trying to teach us so that we can garner those principles? All right, Conclusion. I have some questions for you. They're the questions in your journal, by the way. Why couldn't the crowds understand a simple story? You got this. Why couldn't the crowds understand a simple story? Their ears were closed, their eyes were closed, their hearts were dull. The Holy Spirit hadn't revealed the truth to them. They had rejected the gospel. So now I need to ask myself, Even if I'm a believer and not growing, even if I'm stagnant, am I closing my ears? Am I closing my eyes? Has my heart become insensitive and dull to the word of the Lord? Or am I passionately seeking and listening and trying to perceive what the Lord wants to say to me? Am I searching for the truth and the understanding? You you can be a saved junior or senior and still allow your heart to be dull to what the text may be saying to you. What's the role in the Holy Spirit in understanding scripture and accepting the gospel? It's been given to us. It's revealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that inspired the human authors as though the Bible can be spoken of as God breathed, this is the very word of God, The Holy Spirit speaking through those human authors to write the very Word of God is the same Holy Spirit that is the Spirit of truth that will teach us all things. It's the same Spirit that allows us then to have ears to hear and eyes to see what's going on in the text. So we read the text, we don't understand it. Dear Spirit, would you just help me to understand what's going on here? I'm having trouble getting this. Let me read it again. Would you just help me to see what the Lord may be up to here and what you're trying to say? The Spirit wrote it. The Spirit knows it. The Spirit can empower us to understand it. What implications do we have in our sharing the gospel? Now, this is a big one for you because a lot of us don't share the gospel because we don't want to get rejected. Who in the room likes rejection? I don't see any hands going up. No, you don't. You don't like rejection. Hey, will you go out with me? No, you're ugly. You don't like rejection. Come on now. (laughs) Hey, will you receive the gospel? No, you're dumb. That scares us, right? No, no, wait a second. Let me explain to you why it's true. I still reject it. Why? Is it because I'm not good enough at sharing my faith? No. We can do evangelism training and we can teach you over and over and over again exactly what you need to present in the words and it doesn't mean anybody's gonna respond to it. But there may be times in your life where all you do is tell them a simple story. Look, I I once had no hope and now I have hope. I I once was a sinner in bondage to, to sin and now I'm free. And with simple words, they respond and say, I want that. It's not because you were so great with your words, it's because the Holy Spirit opened their hearts and their minds and their ears and their eyes to receive the gospel message. So what are we to do then? Be faithful evangelists, faithful communicators of the truth God has given us, and we leave the increase to Him. If it's rejected, they're rejecting God. If it's accepted, they're accepting God. If somebody gets saved, we praise God because His Holy Spirit brought them to salvation, not because I'm so brilliant, but God is so good. If they reject God, it's okay. Because we've been a faithful servant of the king. We've communicated the messenger as an ambassador of Christ, pleading with others, be reconciled to God. All right, what is allegorical interpretation and how might that get us in trouble? I've walked through that already. So there's your foundation. Next week, we launch into the parables. Good stories. Secrets, mysteries revealed. applied to our lives for his glory. Dear Lord, help us to hear, help us to see, help us to follow and obey your word, your commands. In Jesus' name, amen. And you are dismissed.